Good morning. Welcome to Valley Lights Church. Uh, my name is Bruce. I'm the pastor here, and I'm glad that you've joined us today. Before we begin today's message, I wanted to start off by sharing an update about some difficulty that my family has been walking through this weekend. Um, so I'm, gonna, I'm actually just going to read some of my notes that I have right here. Um, there was an email that I sent out this week letting some of you know about uh, what happened. But many of you know that Erin, my wife, is pregnant and due in February. And we want to let you know that we lost the baby on Friday, uh, two days ago. So Aaron was, Aaron was around 16 weeks in the pregnancy. The doctors think that the baby was measuring only about 13 weeks old. So we're not exactly sure when the baby passed exactly, but um, it's been a very sad weekend for our, our whole family. Uh, Aaron went through the process of delivering the tiny palm-sized baby at home. And we had a few concerns about her well-being during that, but God did answer a lot of prayers and kept Aaron safe through that process. And so, physically speaking, the most difficult part is behind us. Uh, we had a similar loss about six years ago. Uh, we had a son that was a few weeks farther along in the pregnancy than, than this weekend. Um, but we named that son Shane Amos Wood. And when you put the meanings of those names together, uh, it means carried in the hands of a gracious God. So in addition to that loss and the one from this weekend, we've also had three other early miscarriages over the past 10 years since we started having kids. And uh, Aaron and I both agree together about one thing, that there is comfort in knowing that this has come to us through the Lord's hands and that he'll carry us through. Uh, we're reminded of God's faithfulness to us in the past, and that gives us courage to walk forward now. There's a passage that, there's actually been quite a few verses that have been an anchor, uh, in particular over the past 24 hours. Uh, this, here's a verse, well, I, I say the past um, 24 hours and actually many years before now as well, but Isaiah 43, there's a passage here. It says, do not fear. For I have redeemed you, I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. We really love this picture in, this, in these verses um, because we do know that we will walk through hard things. You guys have walked through hard things. Um, but God will not allow us to be completely destroyed or overwhelmed. And actually, later in the service today, after the message, we're going to have a chance to sing some of the... There's, a, there's a, a church that made a worship song based off this passage that we'll have a chance to sing together. Our loss this weekend has really impacted our kids a lot more than any of the previous losses. Um, I mean, our kids are getting older, and so the, like, the comprehension of that is growing. But we, uh, on Friday, we threw a James 1 party, uh, referring to James chapter 1 in the Bible. And it's because a very wise mentor of mine shared this idea with us years ago. And uh, 
he basically came up with a party that's based on this passage from James chapter 1. And here in the second verse it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So we threw a James 1 party, and we got a special, like a takeout lunch, I brought that home, and we got uh, treats for the kids. We let everybody get their own boba milk tea, which was a big deal for everybody, because we never let them get their own. <laughs> and um, so we had some fun things, we prayed together, and as we were sitting around the table, we read this passage together. And one of my kids said, well, it would be helpful to have a party because it will help us forget about the baby. And I said, well, um, some people might handle it that way. But actually, um, we're not throwing a party to forget about the baby. We're, we're not trying to gloss over the pain, but really the party is to declare our trust in God together and believe that he is working good things in the midst of the pain. So together, we, we discussed the question why, why does God want us to see this as an opportunity for great joy? If you've if you, uh, ever had a conversation with a little kid, you know, it's, that's kind of a, it's kind of a, comp well, actually, if you had the conversation with anybody, this is a pretty complicated question to answer. Why would God want us to see something like this as a great joy? Um, but we had this conversation, and this, this was a very perspective-shaping experience for our whole family. And later, I bought a tiny box that we'll, uh, we're going to need to use in our next steps with the baby. And my kids wanted, they wanted to decorate the box. And so far, so one of my kids has started decorating the box. And actually one that's been very, very deeply impacted by our loss. And so she began to decorate it, and here's what she did so far. On her own, she got her Bible out and copied that verse from James 1 that we talked about. It says, you know, you can see, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. In times like this, you know, I know the big general reasons why God wants us to see trouble as an opportunity for joy. It usually takes... A lot longer, though, when you, when you go through trouble to see like the specific, tangible ways that God is using it for good. <clears throat> sometimes, our, you know, sometimes you go through trouble, and even if you believe this from James, sometimes your faith needs to hang on for a while before you're able to make sense of it all. And I think a lot of times you don't, I think we might not fully make sense of all the trouble on this side of heaven. But I will say one clear <clears throat> positive that I, I can already see, one tangible thing that I can actually see already, even this weekend, is that our kids are getting a very real life experience of knowing how to handle trouble, deep sadness, and grief. Uh, they've witnessed us turning immediately to scripture and prayer the moment that trouble strikes and they've seen how God provides the balm for our souls. 
and they're, they're beginning to learn how to direct their own grief. And there've been some sad moments for our kids this weekend. And I think what my kids are learning now are, are it's, it's something that I think many people, maybe most people never actually learn, even as adults, how to handle grief. So our, our kids are, I, in addition to that, uh, our kids are also getting a very direct experience seeing how the church can respond. And uh, we've been the recipients um, of a shower of love and gifts over this weekend already. And um, it's been way more than we deserve. It's, been, it's way more than is even necessary. And um, our kids see that. They, you know, they see stuff left on the doors or people coming over or helping us out or um, ways that we've been served. And uh, so I, I sent out, you know, I had sent out an email to um, our members letting them know that we lost this child. And um, a bunch of people, so a very natural question that people ask is, is there anything that we can do? And uh, one of the biggest needs at the moment is prayer for our whole family and encouragement. And if, if you have words of hope that you'd like to share, please do. Um, I know as uh, some of you walked in um, partway through me talking about this, uh, we lost a a baby at um, about 15 weeks in the pregnancy process this weekend. So I'm sharing about that. So I, I do want you all to know that we really love you, our church family. We already feel overwhelmed by love and support in the best way possible, overwhelmed in a, in a great way. And we feel incredibly grateful to have such a loyal and responsive church family in our corner. So I'd like to, I, I do want to transition into our message for today. And, but before I do, I just want to take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you for gathering us today. I thank you that there's a lot of encouragement that comes from gathering with the body of Christ and gathering as a group to sing praises together. And I do thank you for those words from Isaiah and James that have been an anchor for our family. And I thank you that um, as we walk through trouble, and as others here in this room walk through trouble, that you, if we trust you, you've promised to always be with us. And we thank you for that. And your presence means so much. And so I pray that you would be with us today. Would you guide uh, the rest of this service? Would you use it to bring truth and hope and perspective on the things that we'll be talking about? And we thank you for your love and care. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going we're gonna to turn a little bit of a corner, and I, would, I wanted to ask you just to get out that connection card that you received when you walked in. Um, there's, a, there's a few things that during this service I'll be directing your attention to uh, a variety of different handouts that you have. Um, but the connection card is the first one that I want you to uh, grab, and that's a card that we all fill out together every, every week. If this is your very first time here, fill out as much information as you feel comfortable. If you've never been here before, you can put your name and uh, your email address, let us know any prayer requests you have. These cards are a really great way for you to let us know about anything going on in your life. And actually, um, as many of you have been praying for us, um, I, I, I and a team of people from our church actually do pray for those things that you write down, and I, I do love to know what's going on in your lives. Um, so you can, you can write prayer requests on the back of that card, sign up for different events or volunteerings. We're going to be, one thing that you'll have a chance to sign up for on that card as well, is we're going to be starting uh, a new round of life groups in September, in a few weeks from now. It's 
probably going to be on Tuesday nights, and we're getting some of the details together for that. Uh, if you've ever been a part of a group or if you've considered that, it's a really great way to connect with people and share life together. And we'll be providing for more information. But if, you re if you'd really like to take a step deeper into this church community and experience some of the love and support that comes from um, friendships that really are meaningful, then you might consider joining a group. And if you're interested in that, go ahead and check that box on your card. At the end of the service, uh, later today, uh, some of our volunteers will walk through with baskets and you'll be able to throw that card in the basket. And also if you've come prepared to give financially, you can turn in any offerings later at that time as well. Okay, so let's start this message for today. Um, it's, actually, it's actually an exciting topic. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing a few things with you today. God has been generating some very exciting momentum in our church. And it's been clear that God is at work, not just in our personal lives, but God has been working on a much bigger plan for us as a church as well. And, you know, all, all of what we're talking about in this message series, is, it fits into his huge global plan for redemption. And so um, the message series that we're in is called Momentum. And we're looking at what does it take to build personal spiritual momentum for us? And how do we accelerate our growth organizationally as a church and really put some force behind what God wants us to accomplish here. So today we're going to jump back in time to see some of the excitement that was building when Jesus started building his movement. How did Jesus generate momentum? How did he start an entire movement out of nothing? One by one, individual people had experiences with Jesus that drew them in. People just got to be around him, see him, talk to him, spend time with him. And man, that just kind of pulled him right in. In one of Jesus's biographies, known as the Gospel of John, it records stories. The first few chapters of John is really exciting. There's all these stories that highlight how people came to believe in Jesus. And I'm just going to summarize a few points from some of those early stories, and they reveal the different kinds of experiences that Jesus made time for. And so one of the things we'll look at first is that Jesus was willing to connect with the friends and family members of his earliest disciples. So he had some, he had some followers, but then he would, well, he would meet the family members of the followers, and he'd just kind of get to know people's relational circles. Before, so before Jesus had anybody following him, at the very, very beginning uh, of, of that process, there were two guys that heard about Jesus and their interest was sparked, and so they began you know, following him, walking behind him. <laughs> and so uh, in John, look in this verse here. Uh, thank you. John, John chapter 1, verse 37, it says, Two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following, he asked, What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Probably asking a question because they're like, they're interested. They want to they get around him a little bit more. And he says, come and you'll see, which that's a great phrase. Sometimes you can invite your friends and family members, come, come and see, come and see what Jesus is all about. So he says, come and see. And then they went with and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. So Andrew is one of these guys and it's Simon Peter's brother. He was one of the two that heard John and followed Jesus. 
And, uh, but he finds his own brother, Simon, and he told him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. The Messiah means the Christ. And he brought Simon, his brother, to Jesus. So here's a guy, so excited about it. Well, I might as well tell my brother. So when Jesus saw him, he said, you are Simon, son of John. You'll be called Cephas, Cephas which is translated Peter. So Andrew finds his own, his own brother. This is a great starting point. Oftentimes, when people first start coming around, getting to know God and Jesus, they, well, they tell their family members about it, or maybe they're close friends, and maybe they bring them along. Why? Because if, if you're growing more convinced that this Jesus thing is real, and it really does impact life the way that we think it does, man, if that it, you would want the people closest to you to, to hear the news that you've discovered. So Jesus, when he sees Peter, the brother, he knows Peter by name already. He says, I know you. I know, and he even knows his father, you know? He says, you're, you're, uh, son, you're, the, you're Simon, the son of John. So Jesus says, but I see more in you than just that. And he changes his name. What a, it's kind of a weird thing to do, I guess, when you first meet somebody. <laughs> but he changes his name and he says, you'll be Cephas, Peter, which means rock or stone. And the rock carries an imagery of strength. So Jesus really upon first meeting him, was calling Peter forward. And this was a really powerful vision-casting moment. You're going to be like a rock man. <laughs> and uh, some of you have brought your family members to church. I actually, it's kind of fun for me. Sometimes I look back over um, our records. We get these connection cards, and I look through the names of first-time guests, and so many of them are people that have come here because you invited them to church. And it's so exciting to see that. And sometimes, sometimes you actually might be here because you were invited and you've come to know Christ personally. And man, that's, that's powerful. There, what, if there's, what if there's another Peter in the room right now? Somebody that God is going to get a hold of, call them forward into a bold, courageous person that's going to help move the mission forward. That's exciting. It's exciting to think about that. But th these, were, these were some some amazing early experiences Jesus had with his followers. Some people saw him up close. They saw him with his own eyes. And Jesus was just willing to spend his time with ordinary people. <laughs> just spend some time talking and walking. Jesus was also willing to get on people's turf to love and care for them. This is another thing that we see. He's willing to go to their turf. If the only place that we're willing to love and care for people is at church, we're going to be pretty limited. Jesus modeled a very different approach than most religious people of his day. He went to where the people were at. And we see this illustrated in the next story in the book of John from chapter 2. It says, you know, we'll just, I'll just read through this. It says, On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. And when the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told them, they don't have any wine. And Jesus, he says, what has this concern of yours to do with me, woman? And um, my hour has not yet come. And uh, he's talking about his time for letting people know who he really was. And do whatever, it, do whatever he tells you, the mother said to the servants. Now six stone water jars had been set there for Jewish purification. Each contained 20 or 30 gallons. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told them. So they filled them to the brim, and he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the head, water, head waiter. And they did. And when the head waiter tasted the water, 
after it had become wine, he didn't know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And he called the groom and he told him, everyone, he got everyone's attention, everyone sets out the fine wine first. Then after people are drunk, the, the inferior wine comes out. But you've kept the fine wine until now. So not only did Jesus make wine, but he had really good wine. <laughs> and uh, this is a really interesting story. And there's actually a lot more to it that I'm not going to unpack right now. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of exciting details that you could, you could unpack. But this experience gives an example of practical service. He saw a need, and Jesus didn't announce that he was saving the day. The head waiter didn't even know what happened. Jesus didn't take the credit that he deserved. He turned water into wine so that the celebration could continue. And this was, believe it or not, this was his first miracle. Seems like maybe there should have been an announcement like, everybody, my first miracle is about to take place. No, he didn't do any of that. He, uh, I think he probably enjoyed the rest of the party, probably just slipped out unnoticed. Why? Well, it wasn't his party. It was a day for this couple to get married, for these two families to be joined. And how could something like this happen in our, day, in our lives? Well, you've got to, for something like this to happen, where you have the opportunity to serve somebody, you've got to be involved enough to be invited to an insider event. I mean, what would it be like to be welcomed into someone's moment of celebration? Maybe you've, maybe you've been invited to a birthday party or, or maybe a friend's birthday party for their kids or a baby shower or a baseball game or a wedding or block parties or graduations. There's actually been, this is, this is kind of an exciting part of uh, church community and also expanding the kingdom of God is this, this area because so far, since the life of our church started, we've, we've, had, we've had a wedding. <laughs> we've had, um, I've been to some friends' birthday parties. I've been to kids' parties. And usually, whenever we go to those things, we're, we're of course, there to support the person that invited us. But then you get to meet the cousin and the uncle and the neighbor from across the street. And you get to meet all these people that uh, maybe they don't walk with God. Maybe they've never been to church before. And all of a sudden, I've seen, time and time again, I've seen people get connected to church because there was some overlap at a celebration or a party because you were an insider, you got invited, and you got to connect and build a relationship. It's pretty amazing. So that's one of the things that Jesus did. Another thing was he was willing to dialogue with the curious and the unconvinced. So we see him spending time with people, going to celebrate, but he also would dialogue. And dialogue takes time to just be with people. One really famous encounter involved a prominent religious leader named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus had questions, but probably didn't want to be seen asking Jesus in public because of his, you know, this guy had some good reputation and a prominent position. Here's what it says in John 3. It says, There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and this man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Basically, this Nicodemus is saying, hey, we're, we're all trying to figure out where you've come from, and no one could do what you're doing without God's help. And Jesus replied, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That sounds like being reborn. So Nicodemus says, how can anyone be born when he's old? Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can these things be? Asked Nicodemus. So there's this dialogue. And once again, there's definitely a lot more to unpack and some some really uh, profound things to understand about Jesus and about how God and Christianity works in this passage, and I'm not going to cover it right now. Um, but what you see is Jesus wasn't in a hurry. He spent time. He even stayed up late at night, asking questions, answering questions. And he wasn't frustrated to have to stay up late because it led, you know, actually this conversation led to what might be one of the most famous Bible verses that there is. John 3.16. And Jesus told Nicodemus, he says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So there's this really amazing conversation that Jesus takes time for. And we don't know how it ended up that night. We don't see the conclusion. But Nicodemus was there after Jesus died. And he was part of preparing Jesus' body for burial. You find that later in John chapter 19. And likely, so what, what we conclusion that we might draw is that maybe along the way, even though Nicodemus was pretty unconvinced and questioning at first, he probably became convinced somewhere along the way. And that happens for people nowadays too. Sometimes people are just waiting for a one-on-one con- dialogue to clarify what it means to believe in Jesus. Sometimes it just takes a conversation. Sometimes there's people that are interested in exploring. And, you know, there was actually one guy, one guy recently that I had a conversation with. I was actually, I was at a game night. So this is kind of like this situation. I was at a game night and got to talking about church. And then we started, after talking about church, we talked about God. And then we started talking about Jesus. And I was asking more questions. And he was asking me questions. And uh, eventually I got to the point where I said, he was interested in following Jesus, but he was kind of holding back. And I said, okay, if you hold back, you're not ready to do that. What that means is currently you're on track to live your life and then die and then go to hell and experience eternal separation from God forever. And the only way to get off that track that you're on right now is to fully, fully trust Jesus, yield every part of your life to him as your Lord. And he said, no one's ever told me that before. And I don't think I'm going to be able to sleep tonight. (laughs) And I said, I was kind of hoping. (laughs) And um, the interesting thing, though, about that conversation is this guy, he had had told me he'd been to church a bunch of times and different kinds of churches. And I don't really know which ones. And I don't, yeah, I don't know what level of interaction he had, but there was something very significant about a one-on-one conversation where you just talk about what Jesus, the things that Jesus said that really brought this issue of salvation to the surface for a guy. And, you know, Sunday mornings like this, they're not always, they don't, you know, those dialogues don't always happen here because it's a big group. Some, it can, but sometimes people need a dialogue kind of away from the crowd. A lot, I think a lot of people have never had a meaningful conversation about their spiritual life or about faith or what it means to really look like to become a follower of Christ. You'd be amazed if you ask somebody, what's, what's your spiritual journey been like? 
you'd be amazed at the answers to that question. Even if you ask somebody that's not spiritual, if you ask somebody that's not a churchgoer, you can ask that question, what's your spiritual journey been like? And people will have an answer. And you might be surprised at what you find out. One more thing that Jesus was willing to do, and we see this in the Gospel of John, is that he was willing to refresh the weary and the hurting. So we'll look at, I'm just going to mention one more encounter. And he, there's this interaction where Jesus spoke to a deeper need in a person's life. Uh, Jesus had this incredible conversation with a woman who was an outcast in society because of her immoral living. Jesus crossed all kinds of social taboos just to sit and talk with her. Instead of condemning her, like pretty much everyone else seemed to be doing, he gently, compassionately shared hope and the news about how to find eternal life. So as they talk, this is the story of the Samaritan woman, and uh, we find this in John chapter 4. But after that conversation takes place, it says, the woman left her water jar, went into town, and told the people, come see. Actually, here's that phrase again, come and see. That phrase, come and see, occurs a lot in the Gospel of John, where people are inviting other people to come and see what Jesus is like. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they left the town and made their way to see him. So she brought a whole bunch of people to Jesus. And this woman had not found love or security or stability before this time. She seemed to be rejected by many, and her position in society was really low, and it seemed like she was sinking lower until this encounter. And she had been very impacted by it. And so she went to spread the word back in town and said, man, more people need to meet this man. So if we were to, and I once again, I'll just say once again, there's so many amazing things about that one story with this woman. And I wish I could unpack all these together. Actually, I did a series two years ago where I looked at each of these stories more in depth. Um, and the series was called Come and See, and that's on our website. But if we shift back to today, um, what did your first encounter with Jesus look like? Did it resemble any of these stories or these experiences? Maybe a friend invited you to come and see, or maybe a family member invited you to something, or maybe you met a Christian and had a meaningful conversation somewhere, on the block, at, at home, or in a restaurant, or an airport, or maybe a coworker or a neighbor was just living differently and some curiosity was sparked and you had some honest questions, or maybe you were at the end of your rope and desperately needed spiritual refreshment. You know, we've got a baptism coming up in a couple weeks. Baptism reminds me of stories like we've just read, where these people had these early encounters with Jesus. We have uh, a few, uh, few baptisms that we've done. Um, right here, there's Samantha, and she got an invitation from a cousin. <laughs> and that brought her to church for the very first time, learned about Christ and committed her life to him. And we had Anna, a woman who was invited by a neighbor. She just got to know some good, honest, uh, faithful Christian living people that created an openness. Actually, there, there were neighbors that created a bridge for the gospel to travel across. And then there's Zeray, uh, where she had life circumstances that created a real deep interest in Christ and eventually committed her life to Christ as well. And if you look at your own story, can't you see how God's been at work <laughs> drawing you into an experience 
with Jesus. God's been drawing you. He's bringing you to the one who can save your soul and bring refreshment in life. In all of these situations here in these stories, in the Gospel of John, and in your life, God is at work. God's working. And there's this unseen element to it that we don't always see it, but man, God is moving pieces into place. And he does this with you and with me. But here's the thing. If you're already a follower of Jesus, well now, now you've got a role to play. You can be used by God to help bring these things into place. As a church, our mission is to help people who are far from God to find Jesus and to learn how to walk with him. And you can help us generate momentum in seeing lives changed. So here's a few steps. I'm going to bring this message to a close eventually, but I, I want to just give a few ideas of how you can be a part of generating this life-changing momentum. One way is to evaluate my circle of contacts. Who are the people that I can invest my time in and who can I invite? So that's kind of like what Jesus did. He just invested time with people. Go spend time, <laughs> go to a wedding. Or you'd stay up late and talk, or you'd just spend time with people. You'd walk along the road. Who, so who's in my circle? So you, first of all, you can evaluate who is even in my circle right now, or how are there ways that maybe I could widen it? How could I let some more people in? How could I spend a little bit more time with people? There, there should be a little business card-sized uh, thing in your, in, that you should have received when you walked in. So grab that little, that little card, and this is what we call an invest and invite card. And so I'm going to ask you, you don't have to do this, but this is something you can consider. Maybe you would consider thinking of three people in your life that are maybe, that are not yet Christ followers. Who do you know? Coworker, family member, neighbor, uh, someone that you see regularly. And you could, put their, you could put their names down. You could do it now or you can maybe do this later. But you could use this card and begin to pray for them. Pray for those people and begin to invest some time. How could you spend a little bit more time? How could you invite them into your life? And then how could you invite them to experience a church event or a church service? And you can use that card as a, as a reminder to pray for people. And this would actually be a big part. This is actually, what, I, what I'm giving you right now really is a very important tool for our church to survive and for us to please God. This, this whole thing of, getting around people that are far from God, this is so central to who we are as Christians and what we're even here for. So, so consider that. And then here's an even more practical thing. Um, buy up the opportunity to invite people to the financial squeeze. <laughs> so this is uh, a new message series that we're going to start in September. And uh, just a little church insider language here. There's, there's four major Sundays each year where we go further in our efforts to promote and enhance and um, there's kind of like strategic times in the calendar where people are more likely to come to church. One of those times is in the middle of September because uh, summer's over, school's getting started, people are kind of getting back into routines, and people are kind of, people just seem, we usually get a spike in attendance, and there's like this natural momentum that we can harness, and you might be able to invite people. So we created a message series that I think is going to be really relevant to where people may be feeling some pressure in life right now. And so that financial squeeze is all about, hey, where costs are going up, you know, it's, it's hard to figure out how to budget, if you even budget, and 
how do I get a grip? How do I deal with this squeeze that's coming to me financially? And so there's some really very practical, very helpful things that we'll be talking about from the Bible in that series. And so you can use that card. The reason you have two is that you can invite two people or invite one and keep one for yourself. Um, but we're going to go through um, that. We'll have food in that morning. And we're trying to activate our whole church to become inviters. And so you can be a part of inviting. So that card has all the details that our friends and families would want to know about this series. All right, let me give you one more suggestion, a way that you could help build momentum. And it's to read a Bible in, the, in a jar. <laughs> it's a daily plan with a curious friend or new Christ follower. So it's called the Bible in the Jar. It's the Jar is an acronym for John, Acts, Romans. Those are three books in the New Testament that are right all in a row. So you can just go from one to the next to the next. And it's kind of, it's a nice progression because you've got John is about Jesus. And then Acts is about after Jesus left and how did the early church get started. And then Romans has a lot of really important theological um, verses about how do we understand what it means to even be a Christian. So those three books together are pretty powerful uh, thing to go through. So you might, maybe, maybe you know somebody that maybe you could help, you could read this with them, or you could invite, hey, why don't we do our, why don't we do a little Bible study together and, and walk through these things together and answer questions as you go. Or maybe this is just helpful for you in your quiet time to, to get a grip on some things. And maybe today you're here and you haven't quite made the decision to become a fully committed follower of Jesus. Maybe you identified with one of the stories we looked at. Are you curious about Jesus? Are you curious about what it means to follow him? Has God, has God been stirring your heart? Or are you hurting and you know you need something different than what you have right now? You might have, maybe you've even seen those pictures of baptism and you think, man, I, I, I think maybe I need to do that. Maybe I need to, baptism is all about it's a picture of what it means to die like Jesus died and to be raised again to new life like Jesus was. Being baptized is a command that we're given. If, we, if anybody has decided to follow Christ, being baptism is a command that is a step of obedience for all of us. So if you've never been baptized or if you haven't been baptized after you've made a commitment to follow Christ, then you can sign up for that. And actually, there's a spot on your connection card and you can let us know. Uh, there's details in your program as far as when that's going to take place. Or if you just have some questions about it, should I even be baptized? I'd be happy to answer those as well. And for the rest of you, if, you've, if, if baptism doesn't apply to you at the moment, I still want you to come on that Sunday. It's uh, September 11th that we'll be there for that because we make a big deal out of baptism because it's a huge celebration. It's such, a, it's such an encouraging thing to see lives being transformed, to see this visible, tangible representation of people uh, beginning to follow him. And so uh, we'll, we'll make a big party out of that as well. So I'd love to pray. And uh, in particular, I'm going to pray for those of you that are maybe sorting through what it means to follow Christ, what it means to follow Jesus, and also for those of us that are wanting to maybe engage in a helpful way in building momentum for God's kingdom. So let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for gathering us this morning and for allowing us to take um, steps towards you. Um, for people that are, um, that for people that already know you, and maybe the step involves 
investing more of their lives and inviting others to you. I, I pray that you would lead them to people that are, that are spiritually ripe and responsive. And for those that are either curious, hurting, or doubting, would you give those people your courage to take one step towards you today? Thank you for using our church. I think I do. You have given us momentum. You have allowed us to start building and growing together, and I'm really grateful for that. I, I pray, Lord, you would allow that to continue. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.